They traveled for thousands of miles for this moment, for this time, to worship here, Asia to Jerusalem. They packed their bags, loaded the animals, got the kids together, don't whine, are we there yet, Mom? No, we're not, and off they go. Asia to Jerusalem, here we go. And then they arrived, and they went in the temple, and they're like, we traveled all this way. This is the temple of God. It's huge. It's beautiful. We've seen nothing like it. And we're here to worship with our fellow countrymen, our Jewish brothers and sisters. We're here. It's a beautiful moment. It's not Disney World. It's the temple. You know, it's the temple. And then they see him. Do you see who walked in the room? Do you see him over there? It's it's Saul. I'm calling himself Paul these days, I hear. There he is. He's in the temple. What's he doing here? You've heard the stories. I've heard the stories. Even over in Asia, we've heard he's teaching our people not to follow the Mosaic Law. He's saying, forget circumcision. Forget the rituals of our people. Forget the unclean foods. He's teaching a different way. He's got to go. What's he doing in here? He's against everything the temple stands for. Did you see him with that Greek guy this morning? Yeah, I did. I I did see him with that guy. Is he here too? Probably they're buddies. Did you see him? No, I didn't see him, but I'm not okay with it. And so they start yelling and shouting, and Paul brought brought a Greek guy into the temple. Get him. And there's a mob, and people are coming from around the city, and they grab Paul, and, and they drag him out of the temple. You ever been drug out of church? <laughs> you know? Just here to worship. And they drag him out, and they, they start beating him. They start beating him. And the whole mob of a city has come out to see everything. And, the, and, and, and it's not only the Asian Jews that started it, it's the, it's the Hebraic Jews as well. They join in as well. And Paul's going to have his life taken from him, if not for the intervention of Rome. And so the Roman soldiers get involved, and they grab Paul, and what's going on? And the Asian Jews, they're, they're shouting this and that, and he's, he's doing this, he's against the temple, he brought a Greek guy in, he's, he's teaching against our people, he's blaspheming, he's got to die, and, and the Roman leaders are like, I don't even know what's going on, I can't, I can't even figure it out. We're going, to have to, we're going to have to put this guy on trial because, because I can't sort it out. Maybe he's this Egyptian guy that I heard about that was leading a band of rebels. Maybe that's what they're talking about. I, I, don't, I don't even know. So let's, let's flog the guy, and, and, and we'll get it out of him, you know, because this, this crowd is nuts. They're ready to kill this guy. And so they take him, and, 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 and all the crowd is still there. And, and, and they put chains around Paul. And the Jewish people are thrilled. And then Paul motions to them. And, and, and they hear the clicking of the chains. And they're like, this ought to be good. Let's hear what he's got to say. And then he starts talking. And the Asian Jews don't understand a word of it. He's talking in Hebrew. And so they're there like, you know, what's he saying? I don't know. But, Mom, what's he saying? I don't know. Okay, okay. You know, put down the club, you know, just. And, and they're just listening. And Paul's speaking in this other language. 
And then at some point, people start shouting again. And they're like, okay, here's the action again. And suddenly the, the, the Hebra- Hebraic Jews start shouting again. And, and they want to take him away. And Rome has to get him out of there. And it, even, even the Roman guards are looking at the Roman guards. And the Roman guards are going, I don't know what he said. You know what he said? I don't know what he said. I don't speak Hebrew. Let's get this guy out of here. Let's flog him and we'll figure it out as we go. And off Paul goes. What did he say? That infuriated the crowd so much. Would you turn to Acts 22? Acts 22. (laughs) I happen to think in a brilliant move, um, Paul does not speak in Greek. He does not speak a language that they can understand. And this is it. Uh, we'll start in 2139. Paul answered, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a, city of, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. They were all silent. And he said in Aramaic, Brothers and, and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak in Aramaic, they became quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As the high priest and all the council can themselves testify, I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon as I came to Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord, I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you'll be told all you've been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and he said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be as witness to all people what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. And I saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said. Leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and to beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I'll send you far away to the Gentiles. Go, I'll send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, Rid the earth of him, 
He is not fit to live. And they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust in the air. And then I told you the rest. The Romans get involved again. And they don't have a clue what Paul said. They have no idea what he said. You get that in the text. But they've got to figure it out because they've got to ride on their hands. Question. When Paul is giving his defense, he refers to Stephen. Now, I'm not going to take you back there, but we, we already covered this in the book of Acts. Stephen, the first martyr for the faith. Remember what Stephen's accusation was? Do you remember? We talked about it. The people said he's speaking against the temple. Stephen is against the temple. What's their accusation against Paul? The temple. He brought a Greek guy into the temple. He violated the temple. Even though he didn't, and it was just rumor, word of mouth, they, they, just, they made a false accusation, but there it was. The charges are the same. Paul knows this. He was there that day that Stephen died. He was approving of his death. The charges are the same. But Paul's defense looks different than Stephen's. If you remember, we looked at Stephen's defense, and he dug deep into Old Testament history. Abraham, Moses, David, the temple. Like he just dug in deep and he gave this amazing speech. Paul has the same accusations, but he doesn't give the same speech as Stephen, does he? You've heard it right now. I read the whole thing. That was the whole speech. It was his testimony. And maybe the central feature of Paul's testimony, the authoritative word that he could share. For Stephen, Stephen wanted to share authoritatively, and he went to the Old Testament. He went to their Bible. He defended himself well. Paul, on the other hand, <clears throat> he says this, God told me to go to the Gentiles. And that infuriated the crowd. You're taking the riches of God's blessing to the Gentiles? Oh, we know. You've already told them they don't have to follow the law. And they wanted him dead. Paul said, God told me to go to the Gentiles. And so that brings up a very interesting topic for us this morning. Is it appropriate to say, God told me, fill in the blank, you know, whatever it is? Should you say when you're talking to somebody, I have this decision to make, and God told me, this. I think there's some very dangerous things about a statement like this. The first time I ever encountered a God told me statement was when I was in college. I was at Moody. And I had a, fr a dear friend, a close friend of mine. He was in my wedding. <clears throat> and my friend was dating a girl who went to a different Christian school. And they were heading to marriage. I mean, they were on their way. Not engaged yet, but they were on the way. Happy for him. But his girlfriend at this Christian school encountered a guy. And this young man said to her, 
God is leading me to marry you. God told me to marry you. And she didn't know what to do with that. Now, since then, I've got the perfect comeback. Young ladies, this is it. I'm going to give it to you right now, free of charge. I'm going to save you a lot of headache when a young man tells you this. The young man says, God told me to marry you. And you're going to say, no, God would never be that cruel. Just, I'm just putting it out there. There we go. I got a clap on that one. All right. That's your go-to. That's your go-to. I didn't, I didn't come up with that. Another young lady did. Um, later in ministry, the first time I encountered this in church ministry was with a wonderful woman who loves the Lord, loves to worship. I mean, she has a heart of worship. You could see it when she'd praise God. And she wanted to sing on the worship team. She wanted to use her gifts in that way. And so she came to the worship leaders and said, I want to sing, and and God told me I should be on the worship team as a vocalist. Well, the only problem was she wasn't a good vocalist. She didn't really have a great voice. Yeah, she could probably blend, and when you're in a choir, you can blend. I did it for years. I can tell you, I can attest to it. It works. They'll never know. Christy, you should have amen me right there. You know, you should have said something, but you were too nice to me. <laughs> um, and, and it became a big thing. Like, do, do we do we say yes because God told her? Do we say yes because she has the desire? Do we say no because it could be distracting to other people who are trying to worship? Do we bring her on the stage and turn the microphone down so that you can't hear her? All these options are on the table. What do you do? And guess what? Among leader, church leadership, there was different opinions about what should we do. And some said, yes, bring her on and we'll just blend it. Some said, no, we should be honest. She should be using her gifts somewhere else. Oh, that's a great idea. Use your gifts somewhere else. That's great. It's not easy. Should Paul say, God told me? I can think of three very negative things that people do sometimes when they say, God told me. And I point them out so that you can identify them on your own. One reason some people say, God told me, I'm not saying everybody, I'm just saying some people use it to maximize their opinion. You know, maximize their opinion. I want to share what I think, and maybe I got good reasons, or maybe I don't have good reasons, maybe I haven't thought it through enough, but God told me, and that makes my opinion heavier. So you'll all hear me out. Maximizing your opinion. Another reason we might say God told me is so we can uh, manipulate the hearer. I want my way, and I know you're not going to agree with me, so I'm going to say God told me because that sounds authoritative. And you must listen to me, because there's the Bible, and then there's what God told me. You must listen. And I'm here to say that is textbook spiritual manipulation. That's what that is. You can call it out. I have no problem with that. Call it out for what it is. It's manipulation. A third reason I think that's negative about saying God told me is we try to magnify our spiritual life. Yeah, they're all M words. Maximize our opinion manipulate the hearer, and we want to magnify our spiritual life, you know? I want to put a magnifying glass on me and God because my relationship with God is better than yours. I get to hear from Him. 
And then you're sitting there going, I don't hear stuff like that. But every time you open your Bible, you hear stuff like that. Someone should have amen me for that. Every time you open your Bible, you hear stuff like that. And it has more authority than somebody saying, God told me. It has more authority. We use it to magnify our spiritual life. Because if God talks to me, certainly that puts me on a, a higher level than you. No. Again, that's spiritual manipulation. And we reject that entirely. It's of Satan. Um, now maybe you want to know, are there, is there a good biblical reason we should think about why we say God told me? And I can think of one that stands above a lot of others. I mean, I had a whole list of reasons. I, I could be here a while talking about reasons. But the one that really grabbed my heart that I want to share with you is this. And you've known this since you were a child. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, many of you have applied that directly to swearing. And that's a good way to apply that verse, right? Don't say, oh my, and then don't use the Lord's name. My favorite example is the woman in the gas station that I know works at the front counter and someone will say Jesus Christ's name in, in the gas station in vain. And when she hears it, she'll say, King of kings, Lord of lords. You know, all right. You know, like, like that's vain. It's a useless way to use Jesus' name. But isn't it useless to say God told me when really it's an impression that you have that's fallible? If you didn't listen to last week's sermon, you should go online and listen to it. Oh, I'll show you the verse again in a minute here. But we dealt with this last week. Um, I'll show it to you again in a minute. Should Paul say, God told me? I say, absolutely yes. That was a great defense Paul gave. It was brilliant. In another language that the Asian Jews couldn't understand, oh my goodness, that was awesome. A language that the Roman people couldn't understand. He's saying something and they're all listening, so you know, I just let them go, you know. I love it. Uh, brilliant. But it all hinges on God spoke to me. I'd say yes. Paul should say it for at least two reasons. Yes, because Jesus audibly spoke to him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, I am Jesus. So you're per- like, like Jesus said it, he heard it. Other people around him heard a voice, but they didn't understand what it was about. Like it was audible. Yeah, so yeah, you should say God told me. I heard, it wasn't like a feeling, it wasn't an impression, it wasn't the still small voice, it was audible. And secondly, I would say this is a good move to make because Jesus spoke authoritatively to Paul. With authority. Paul, I am sending you to the Gentiles. And no, the Jewish people will not like that one bit. But this is where we're at in salvation history. The gospel must go out. Jesus said, go into all the world. Make disciples of all the nations. Right? This is authoritative. Jesus speaking. People have said Paul's conversion may be the most significant conversion in church history. Look at what happened. Look at what Jesus did. I've told you before, but I'm going to say it again. Luke records... Paul's testimony three times. Three times. Like, I know I read it this morning, and you're probably thinking, I've heard this. 
I got it in Sunday school. I heard it in high school. I've heard this story so many times. But Luke put it in there three times, so you can hear it again, right? Like Luke said, I've got a limited amount of scroll space, and I'm going to give a lot to Paul's testimony. You need to hear this. This comes with the authority of Christ. Go to the Gentiles. And guess what? You and I have the same calling. Go to the Gentiles. It doesn't look like Paul, like I'm not going to travel to Turkey and, and I'm not going to run around in the Middle East, but, but go to the Gentiles. That's your neighbors. That's the people in this room. We go to the Gentiles. Uh, Jesus spoke authoritatively to Paul. Luke recorded this as Scripture. And there is nothing above Scripture as an authoritative word. For us, Scripture's the top. So I want to take you on a brief tour, and it will be brief. I want to look at Acts, and I want to see how God speaks to people. So this is going to be brief, and I know you're going to wish I went a little bit deeper, but I'm going to scratch the surface a little bit. These are things we've already looked at over the last uh, 20 weeks. We've been in this 20, 21 weeks. How did the early church talk about hearing from the Lord? Okay, let's let the Acts verses roll. Here we go. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. This is Pentecost. And Peter says, we're in the last days. And there's going to be dreams and visions. I love it that we hear stories about Muslims having dreams about Jesus. I love that. Don't you? There's going to be dreams and visions in the last days. God speaks. Next verse. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, and then he gives his big sermon. So there are going to be people in your life who, get, who are filled with the Spirit, and they're going to talk to you, and that is a word you need to listen to. God has moved them to speak. Have you ever got encouragement at just the right time? Have I ever preached a message at just the right time, and you thought I was talking like just to you? You know, and he thought, he read my mail, you know. Like, he must be looking at my email, totally. He hacked it. That's why he's talking about this. Um, I didn't hack it. I'm terrible at that. It, but, but, but to be in the Spirit means there are going to be people in your life, pastors, friends, Spirit-filled people, and they're going to talk to you, and you're going to be like, oh, my goodness, I needed to hear that. The Spirit filled you. <laughs> That's what happened. That's awesome. Uh, next verse. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. God calls people into ministry. He calls missionaries. He calls you into salvation. And, and I, wish, I wish Luke gave me more details in this. I, I referenced this before when we preached Acts 13. But, but, but I don't know. Like I read this and, and I'm thinking, did, did the Holy Spirit say while they were praying, like, hey guys, and they're like, oh yeah, did you hear that? I heard that. Or did he just say it to Paul and Barnabas? You know? Is that, is that how it worked? Was it all of them? Was it one of them? I, I don't know. But all I know is they felt led to send Paul and Barnabas for mission work because God calls people. Next verse. Uh, Acts fifteen twenty eight. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. This is the Jerusalem council, right? This is when, the, when a, a council of leaders had to sit down and say, are we going to make Gentiles follow the Old Testament law? Are we going to do that or not? And they decided not. A few requirements, yes. 
but no Mosaic law for the Gentile church. No circumcision, okay? Um, And I love the way they said it. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I love that that distinction they make. Because the Holy Spirit had already given Peter a vision of unclean animals, right? Spirit did that. It seemed good to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit already descended onto Gentile believers, filling them with the Spirit, and they spoke in tongues. That happened. So they could say, it's good to the Holy Spirit, and then we talked about it, and it's good to the council too. That is, I trust that when elders and deacons, deaconess, we sit down and we have to make a decision. Again, elders and deacons for this church to, to make an authoritative decision for this body. That that decision is spirit-led. That the spirit is, is influencing us as we're making decisions. Do we make all good ones? Are we 100% perfect and fallible? No. There's a thing called sin, right? And we lack wisdom at times. Absolutely. But, oh, we want to make good decisions. And I believe we have. Uh, next verse. Acts 16, 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So apparently the Holy Spirit kept Paul and his companions from going into Asia to preach the gospel. So they were being led each step of the way. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if it was a dream, a vision, a feeling, an urge. I don't know. I don't know if somebody said, you're not going to Asia. Ever. I don't know. But the Holy Spirit was guiding them. Next. Uh, here's the one from last week. Uh, Paul said, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit. There's your phrase. Constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. And we said, should Paul go to Jerusalem? Absolutely yes. Is it going to go bad? Absolutely yes. But he's got to go. The Holy Spirit's sending him. Except there's a group of believers that say, don't go, Paul. And here's the next verse. We looked at this last week. You can listen to the message again. I'm just summarizing. Um, Having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they, the disciples, were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And you look at that verse and you go, oh my goodness. The Holy Spirit told them to tell Paul, don't go. Except Paul says the Holy Spirit's telling him to go. Who do you listen to? Spirit-filled Paul or spirit-filled Christians? What do you do? It looks like a contradiction. I don't think it is. And again, I'll repeat my explanation. I think what's going on here is the Holy Spirit is telling the church, your Paul is going to suffer. He's going to suffer in Jerusalem. And then they applied that message incorrectly and said, please, Paul, don't go. Please, Paul, don't go. That's what I think is happening. Our emotions play a role in what God is saying to us, don't they? God can give you some clear direction. And your emotions can be so strong, they've led you astray. Right? Maybe like the person who thinks they ought to sing on the worship team because they love worship. And she loved worship. And like the young man who wants a wife. He wants a good thing. The emotions are there. Just not the right way. Do I have one more? Am I at the end? 
I think I'm at the end of that. Um, okay. Uh, so how does God speak to us? I alluded to it earlier. Primarily at the top, God speaks through his word. That is the primary way God speaks authoritatively. You know what Hebrews 1 says? I don't think I put it on my slides, but I feel led to, to read it. Um, Hebrews 1. In the, Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son. By His Son. God speaks through the Son. That's your Bible. The words of Jesus. God speaks to us. So there are a lot of other ways God talks. We can, get, can we put that list up? Secondary ways. I think we talked about a lot of these ways when we went through Acts, you know, through believers, through, you know, we talked about believers sharing with us and encouraging us, or pastors or teachers, you know. Believers have a huge role in this. Through prayer, ever ask God for wisdom and then he just gave it? God, give me wisdom, and there it was. Um, through having the mind of Christ, that's what Paul says, you have the mind of Christ. You can discern spiritual things with the mind of Christ. Through circumstances, life events, through nature, the heavens declare the glory of God, right? They declare. It's a language. It's universal. Through dreams and visions, we talked about that at Pentecost. These are all secondary ways God speaks. The primary way is through His Son, through the Word made flesh, through the Word of God. All Scripture is inspired by God and useful for preaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It is the standard of standards. So this is what we say. Um, Can we put the Thessalonians verse up there? Sometimes there's a conflict and someone has a word for us. Someone says something. Maybe God says something and we feel like he said it into our heart. I've had that. I've had moments where I was so angry at someone and God just gave me some words just for me. It's beautiful. Um, I think about prophecies. Someone speaking a word of God to you. A prophetic word. I don't know what you think about prophecies. I don't have time to dig into that part of this whole thing. But Paul says, don't despise prophecies. So, I take it that God can speak in different ways, as he chooses, dreams, visions, prophecies, the still small voice, he can do all these things. But then Paul says, test everything. Test everything. And so whenever somebody says to you, God told me, the answer is test everything. Test everything. I'm not taking it at your word, because you've got emotions, and you've got sin, and so do I. I'm going to test everything. The Bible is our tape measure. I mean, if Paul says test it, that means I've got to have a standard of testing, you know? I've got to have something infallible, inspired, authoritative. I need something sure. If I get a word, if someone else gets a word, if I think God is leading me to do something, I need a standard to measure it by. The Bible is your standard. That's it. Any of you carpenters cut wood without measuring it first? Any of you guys do that? Do you just like look at it and just eye it up? I used to do that when I was first married when I was hanging pictures and it had like two hooks on the, like one picture had the two hooks on each side, you know, and I'm like, I can just, you know, kind of, you know, 
and six holes later I got the right one. You know? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear six words until I get the right one. You know? Because now I'm causing damage. I'm damaging the wall. I'm damaging people because I haven't bothered to measure it with the Scripture. And I've treated a secondary word as an authoritative word. It's wrong. How tall do you think this pulpit is? What do you think? 48 inches? All right, here we go. I knew some man would say it. I knew I would get an answer. 48 inches. Let's see. Where's Fran? He built this thing. He could probably tell me. 44. You You were pretty good. You were pretty good. 44 inches. If I was in youth ministry, I would have thrown a candy bar at that time. You know, like, <laughs> oh, but you overbid. Price is right rules. That doesn't work. You lose. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Bob Barker says that's not going to fly. Okay. Um. We've got to have a standard. That's what I'm saying. So you feel God's leading. Should we buy this house? I'm praying, God, give me wisdom. Should we buy this house? Can we afford it? You're looking at all the logical things. You're looking at God. Should I go to this school? God, help me. Should I marry this person? God, give me, give me help. I want to hear from you. And maybe the problem with us is this. Maybe for some of us, if we're being very, very honest, the Word of God just doesn't seem like enough. And even though I said it was primary, even though I said it was the standard, it's how God speaks to us primarily, you want something else. And maybe I can hardly blame you because we have these things in our pockets. You know, we have the, the phones. And I can text somebody if they don't text me back. I'm like, that little booger, he didn't text me back. What's he thinking, you know? I know he's ignoring this. So then I call him, go straight to voicemail. Like, I knew he was ignoring me. That's it. I'm going to go to that guy's house. You know, and I drive to, you know, I don't do that. Don't worry. Okay. That's stalkerish, right? Um, but, but, but... How many of you have been in a conversation with somebody over email where they didn't get your point? Oh, yeah. And you had to apologize by the end of it. Oh, yeah. But then you sat down with them and you looked in their eyes. They saw your facial expressions. They heard your heart. And it was totally different, right? It was just totally different. I want the fullness of... Of contact. Sometimes I got to go for the lesser stuff. I got to settle for a text message, right? That's okay. But if I really want to communicate, it's like this, right? You want to hear from God, you open your Bible. I know you want shortcuts. I know you hear people that act like they've been directed on what to do today. God gave them three points they got to do today this morning out of the blue. But you open your Bible, and that's your authoritative word. I was just reading Second Corinthians this week. And it was like God just smacked me and he gave me a word. It was my personal word. I'm not going to share it. But, but it, was like, it was like he was saying something directly to me. That's it. That's how you hear. Can I give you some applications now? Applications. So what do we do with all this? I'll give you five. Five things to think about. Right fast. We're not going to spend a lot of time on them. I'm in, I'm in overtime. So this is, this is okay. Let's speak about God's guidance in non-absolute terms. Let's be careful when we say, God told me. God wants me to do this. Let's be careful because I think our non-believing friends are like, are you for real? Like the God, did you wake up and you heard the thundery voice of God this morning? What did he sound like? James Earl Jones? You know, like what was that? You know, 
Um, James Earl Jones is kind of creepy, though, because it could be like Simba's dad or it could be Darth Vader. You know, either way, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know if I want to hear that. It's kind of weird. Let's be careful. Let's use words like, I, I feel led. I think God might be guiding me. I feel burdened for somebody. Yes, I know. I've had that burden for somebody where I felt like God said, you need to talk to that person. You know? It's hard to get around it, isn't it? We just do it naturally. I do it naturally. Let's just be careful. That's all I'm saying. Just be careful. Number two, let's be gracious to folks who are trying to give words to God's guidance. So if I'm sitting down with somebody, if I'm sitting down with you and you say God told me, I'm not going to be like, ah, heretic, you're out. You know, like, let's just be gracious because people are trying to explain how God has interacted with them. People have stories. People are like, I, turn, I read my Bible this morning and I heard God say this. I turned on the radio and the song was about that and I went to church and you were preaching about that. God's telling me. And I can be gracious with that. You know, like, I get what you're saying. Cool. That's awesome. I'm going to be gracious with you in how you talk about it. Number three. Let's be discerning so that we are not manipulated with words. Let's be discerning so that people don't manipulate us with the God talk. If you were one of my little outline earlier, do I have that, Jim, the, the three things that people like to do? that I put that in there? The maximize and uh, some bad reasons to say God told me. You know, maximizing your opinion, manipulating the hearer, magnifying your spiritual life. Don't do it. There's some really bad reasons people do this. And you and I can have discernment and and we can see it and put a stop to it. At least not listen to it. And what number am I on? Four? Uh, Let's own our own free will decisions. Like, you want to get air conditioning in your house? You don't have to find a verse about the the heat in hell and then, you know, put your air conditioning in, you know? It's okay. You get your air conditioning. You want a reliable car? You know, so you buy a little more expensive car because it's going to be reliable in the winter. And then your spiritual friends say, just trust God and drive the junker like me. You know, it's okay. I'm okay with trusting God with the junker, and I'm okay with upgrading to the safe car. I get it. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, Let's own your free will decisions, okay? Let's just own it. You don't have to bring God into everything that you do as far as, like, saying God told me to do it. And fifthly, um... Let's give the highest authority of the Bible and expect to hear from God through it. Let's expect to hear God in his word, for God to show up because his word is alive. Uh, Cassie, I couldn't have made it any better than your example this morning. Like you just, I think God told you to say it, you know, right? I mean, like, <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, but, but like you said this morning, I came to Honey Rock. We came to Honey Rock and we were seeking God and his will. And then you like, you quoted Isaiah. Could that have been any better? Could that have been any clearer? Like, I would have been okay if if Isaiah didn't come up and you would have said, God burdened our hearts for this. I would have been okay with that, totally. But you even gave the verse. That's so awesome. Um, Let's give the highest authority to the Bible and expect to hear God. Maybe more than revelation from God, we just need illumination to see what the Bible says. Maybe that's what we need more than anything else. I hear the mm-hmm-ing. That's it. All right, so I'm going to pray for you, and man, am I into overtime. We're going to cancel that last song. We are going to, um, let's, let's sing the last song. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. I've got, 
I've got one person that I want to pray for, and then we're going to sing that last song, and we're going to be dismissed. So, 